Okay, so we'll be in Genesis 15, 1 through 8. That's right. Um, so, um, I guess I'm glad that I have another opportunity to preach it. God's given me another opportunity to do that. Um, and I'll start out with uh, just the first uh, seven verses. Read that first. Uh, After these sayings, the word of the Lord came unto Abram, in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield, and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, no one in my house is born heir. And Oh, no. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own mouths shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, and if thou be able to number them, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So next I just want to go into prayer. Uh, God be with me tonight, Lord. Uh, the nerves are a little bit worse than normal, Lord. So just, Lord, uh, help me to do it according to your will, Lord. Give me every strength. Uh, give me everything, Lord. Uh, get me out of the way tonight, Lord. Uh, clear my tongue up, Lord. Help me to be able to say the things that you want me to. And Lord, just take over in me and do your will, Lord. And God, thank you for the day that uh, we had th- uh, thank you for the day that you gave me the study a little bit longer, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so Abraham, he was originally called Abraham before God changed his name. And Abraham's commandment is found in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. So now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house, and unto a land that I will shew thee. And I will make thee of a great nation. I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Abraham follows, and he goes out and leaves the land, and Genesis 12, and he's obedient, then next, and then Genesis 12, 7, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, unto thee, thy seed, will I give this land. And there he built he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. So one thing I want to look closely at in Genesis 12, 7 is, he says, thy seed. So he's telling him right there, it's going to come from his offspring, his children right there. And Genesis 15 starts out with the Lord coming unto him in a vision. And the first words the Lord says is, fear not. That's the first words he chooses that God says to him. 
Oh, we never really find out or we can never really find out or 100% certain about what Abram was afraid of at this time. We have people, can there is assumptions that some think it's, uh, and the previous chapter was when he rescues Lot from the, the kings, and some thinks that he could be afraid that they're going to attack out vengeance from him. While also, which, also some believe that it could be uh, what he was facing at this time where he was supposed to be having a child, but it never happened. So there's no really certain thing that we can be sure that he was afraid of at this time. And Abraham was afraid of something, but he was in a time of doubt and a time of being afraid, and God told him, first thing was fear not. God reassured him that to not be afraid and to have no fear. So the, the first thing God did to him was encourage him. Because the next two things is he's telling him, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So God right here is encouraging him and strengthening him when he must feel weak and discouraged at this point. And God tells us the same. He tells us not to be afraid in his word. Because Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am, for I am thy God. Yeah. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the hand of my righteousness. God doesn't want us to be afraid of the circumstances that are going on in our life. He wants us to trust in him. Because he tells us that he will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. He's saying he will uphold thee because that's how he is. He will uphold thee with his righteousness. And he will help us when we are in distress. And he also says that he will strengthen. But the one thing he tells us for these things to happen is the fear not. And he tells us to be not dismayed. He tells us not to be afraid or discouraged. That's the, pretty much the definition of dismayed, worried, discouraged, that you believe that God can't do these things. Well, God will strengthen thee, and he will help thee. That's what he says. And then he also reminds, right here in Isaiah 41.10, right in the middle, after he tells them not to be discouraged, or the fear not, and tells and reassures them that he's there, and, he, and, he's, with, uh, and he's with us, he tells us, he reminds us that he is our God. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. And then he will help us with all these saints. He will strengthen me and he will help us and he will uphold us with the right hand of his righteousness. And that means we have to be able to trust him in our minds when we're going through the trial and when we're going through a hard time that he's going to be able to help us. Because if we have doubt in our mind, how are we going to think that he's going to be able to help us if we're too afraid of the circumstances around us? And then next, we need to accept it in our heart. And our heart needs to believe that is true. Because it's one thing to get the mind convinced that is true. And then the next thing is to get the heart convinced. Because that's two separate things. Trying to convince both of them. Because you, you could have your mind, you and you in your mind could believe that it's going to happen. But in your heart, you may be doubting that God may actually be able to do it. So you have to get both of those. And you have to accept that God is able to do this. And that he will be with you during a trial. And the next thing he tells Abram is, I am thy shield. 
after he tells them to fear not. He says, I am thy shield. And Psalms 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. So a shield is basically protection, if you think about it from a battle standpoint. So it's a piece that would basically go around your arm and protect you from things like arrows, uh, sometimes possibly spears if they're more thrown, javelin, that would be more of a javelin if it's thrown. And it would protect from those kind of things. So God is telling us that he is our protection. And... So when we are are troubled, we need to rely on God to get us out of it. We need to rely on him to protect us and to take care of us and strengthen us. And then we can be helped. When, when When we believe that the Lord, when we trust in him to be our strength and our shield, then that's when we're able to receive help. Until that point, we won't be able to get help. God will not be able to help us until that point. And sometimes it may take a long time before that help comes. Sometimes it may be instant. Sometimes it may take longer. And this got me thinking about this. Uh, so there's a few things that made me think of during when I was thinking about this. Uh, one of the things was, so when I was at the uh, men's uh, Centerberg breakfast in December, when we were talking about all the promises, when everyone sh- shared a testimony, Except one person. And uh, one of the people said, they were talking about their testimony, and they were talking about how they were trying to do their business on their own, and it was not doing well. It's about to go bankrupt. And it was just a failing business. And then when he gave it over to God, that's when, and he trusted that God was going to be able to do something with that business. That's when God took care of the business. And that's when he strengthened the business and protected the business. And that was the testimony that he shared from the verse that he got. And then, I mean, I believe that in all of our lives that we have situations going on that we need to put our trust, we need to put our trust in him that so he can strengthen the situation and he can protect the situation and make it better. And because one thing is, in a trial and in tribulation, we learn to trust God more, and we learn to let go, or we get ch- chastened from God. So we let go of things, and we let go of sin in our life. And then also in trials, he, uh, he tries the heart. That's what the Bible says. Like gold tried in a furnace, the Lord trieth the heart. And since the Lord trieth the heart, he is trying to get us to trust in him more. He's trying to get our hearts to trust in him more. And as gold is burnt and refined, he's making it so it's more pure. That's what he's doing when he puts us in a trial. And I was thinking about this in another perspective, too. So, like, with, uh, with like, weightlifting and stuff. So, what are you, so, basically what you're doing is putting your muscle through extreme pain and, and making it work. And so that's causing a hard time, right? The, after you get done, it could be extremely bad, depending on how over how much you overdo it. 
then the next few days you feel soreness because of it. And that is just like how the Lord is trying us. It may not, it's not going to feel easy every single day when he's trying the heart. It's going to hurt some days and it's not going to feel the best. But at the end of it, there's progress. And it, just like in weightlifting, there's progress after, afterwards. That's what happens when we go through a trial. There's progress afterwards because we have now gotten closer in our relationship with God and we trust in him more. And he's also with us while during all of our questioning. When we're questioning everything, he is with us. And he's, when we are doubting, he's still with us. But he wants us to trust in him. And this was a trial for Abram because he was promised by God that he was going to have a great offspring. He was promised that he was going to have a great nation and all the nations were going to be blessed by him. He was promised that his seed was going to do all these things. And he wasn't able to have a child. And this was, I believe, very hard on him at times because we'll see in... Genesis 16, um, they he uh, uh, him and Abram and us and the maid Hagar, they have a child because Abraham's doubting at this point in time. He's not really sure if there's going to be able to have if there's going to actually be able to have a seed. So he's in a point of doubt because he's not sure if there's going to be a seed. So this was a trial that required him to have faith in God, that God was going to give him seed, and God was going to give him seed through his wife, Sarah. Because the reason why it had to come through, because Abraham was already married at this point when God came to him and made the promise in Genesis 12. So the child was going to, so for it to be, the child that he was talking about had to come through his wife. And... And so he was in, this was a trial for him. This was making him trust God more, that God was going to give a child. Because Sari was, when she, has, when she has a child, she's described as stricken in age, very old. And then she's also, in Genesis 12, they describe her, or Genesis 11, it describes her at, let me see. It describes her as barren. She had no child in Genesis 11.30. But Sari was barren and she had no child. That's what it described her as. Because it's, So he had to believe that God was going to give a child through someone that it seems so unlikely to have a child with. Because when, it's, when, when a someone's barren, it seems so unlikely that they're going to have a child. But God was able to provide and gave Abram Isaac. And... And we need, we need to rejoice greatly, and we need to be joyful. And he says the thing always because, guess what? He's always helping us with the, even the small things. He's helping us with all that. He's helping us with the big trials, too. And, and then, finally, he tells Abram that there's a great reward for him. And he says, Zai, exceeding great reward. So it's not just a great reward, like I had in my notes. It's more than that. It's exceeding what you think great is. And he tells Abram this, and in Proverbs 11, 18, 19, it says, The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. As righteousness tendeth the life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. 
right here, I'm just going to talk about the righteousness part. It says, to him that soweth righteousness, so to him that soweth godly things, shall be a sure reward. And there's a reward in accepting Christ as your Savior. If you believe that Christ has died for your sins, there's an inheritance of eternal life. That is a sure reward that we have. And then also, the Bible does talk about rewards in heaven for what we do for him and to glorify him and bring him glory on this earth. So those saints that we have sown, those, those saints which are righteousness saints, also shall be a sure reward. And so as we, need, as we grow in our relationship with Christ, Christ will judge us for those things that we do for him and what we don't do that he's told us to do. He will judge us for the things that to bring him honor and glory. He will, he will judge us for the things that we don't do and the things that we do do. And there is also a joy to living a life for Christ. And guess what? We don't have, it's not a depressing life. It's a joyful life to have because yes. we have something to be joyful about and that's Jesus Christ. That's because God loved us so much that he sent us Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And it doesn't matter how gloomy the trial is. If God says that he's with us, he will never leave us nor forsake us. So Christ is with us during the trial. It doesn't matter how gloomy it is. We have something to be joyful about because God's with us. And God's still showing us grace during that trial. He's showing us grace so we can trust him more. And Abram asked God a question next. So the next, he asked him a question. And he asked him, is the steward of my house, is Eleazar, is he the heir? Is he going to be my seed? Is he going to be the one that you do all these things with? That's what he's asking in verses 2 and 3. And because, and then, it's a good question that Abraham had, but he forgot a little bit of the promise that God gave him in Genesis 12. Because he said, thy seed, so thy seed means his seed, not anyone else's seed. Because, I mean, due to uh, custom back then, there was a custom. So if Abram would die without a son. His eldest servant would become his heir. Uh, that's how it worked. But heir means basically the person that's going to inherit it. Seed has a different meaning. Seed has the meaning, so it's basically your, um, it's, seed is more intending to be more of your offspring. And so Abraham had, he was, this was already probably starting to struggle with him at this point in time. And then God reminds him that it will be from his seed. Because, and verse four, it says, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. So he's telling him that his own that his heir, so the one that's going to get all that inheritance is going to be from, that's going to be his own child that he is going to have. And God was faithful to him and gave him that promise because Isaac came and God was faithful to that promise. And he was, and he's faithful to us on all of our promises too. He delivers on all of them, even when it seems very unlikely and very doubtful because there was a lot of things to doubt because of all the circumstances around. But God is faithful in all of them. Even when it doesn't seem like he can be, he is still faithful in all of them. You just have to, it's, you just got to keep believing. He will come true. Yeah. 
And with one, think about this, with one child, God did all that with the offspring of Isaac. With that just one child, he made him as the stars. He kept that promise that seemed, if you think about it, just one child making that promise. How impossible is that? But he, he was able to do it. And Abraham next did, he did the next important part of the promise. And it says, and he believed in the Lord. After, and then, next it's going to, next I'll explain it. It can get a little bit confusing with the wording, I believe. Because there's a he and a him right there. And he counted it to him for righteousness. So, and he, so this he right here is talking about God. And God counted it to him. Him is Abram, Abraham, for righteousness. So God counted it to Abraham for righteousness. And so this this belief that Abraham had, so when Abram put his belief in the Lord, God counted it to him for righteousness. So Abram, who had no righteousness, God justified and pardoned him and gave him righteousness. Because the Bible does tell us that the righteousness the righteous only inherit the kingdom of God. The unrighteous do not. They have a different destination. And so God made him righteous. And God put the, his righteousness on Abram. Because God is the only one that can achieve true righteousness. But God is graceful and merciful to us. And he gives us righteousness. Because of Jesus Christ, we are able to be made justified through him. And I'll explain it in Romans 4, 1 through 5. I have a little bit down in my notes that it's talking about. And so because of this belief that Abraham put on him, he became righteous. And that's and God still does the same thing today. God is asking for our belief in him that Jesus Christ came on this earth, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. And then he rose again on the third day. And Romans 4, 1 through 5 says, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And right, so this passage that Paul is writing to the church of Rome, he uses Abraham's faith and belief in God. He says it's not the works that made him righteous. The works, because Abraham was a sinner just like everyone else. You can read in the life of Abraham, there was many mistakes that Abraham made over the course of his life. But because he believed in because he believed in God, that's what got counted to him for righteousness. Abraham was not justified by his works. And there's nothing. And we are the same way. We're not justified by our works because the Bible tells us we are saved by grace. Amen. We are saved by the grace of God. And we have no reason to glory in our works. That's what he's saying. For if Abraham were justified by his works, he have where, whereof the glory, but not before God. 
And then it explains that Abraham had no reason to be prideful about his works because he was only counted righteous because of his belief and his faith in God. And it's and it says the same thing. So, but him that believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. So then that just, justifieth the ungodly is Jesus Christ. He's the one that justifies us. And his faith, so if we believe on him that died for our sins and did all that for us, then he justified the ungodly, and then our faith in him is counted for righteousness. So our faith in Jesus Christ, that's what gets counted for righteousness. And so, also, Romans 3.23 tells us, for all sin comes short of the glory of God. So, our sins do not outweigh our good works. That's not how it works here either. We are saved by the grace of God, the grace and mercy of God. And the simple... The simple belief that Jesus Christ came and died for the sins of the world, and then he died and rose again on the third day, is the faith that gets counted for righteousness. And then we get, we get the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's, so, it's so infallible to think that Christ would do that much for us, that Christ loved us so much that he would die for our sins, and he would do this all for us, because he didn't have to do this for us, but he loved us that much, and he, was, he loved us that much that he would do that for us. And so everyone who has been justified by Christ has been counted for righteousness. And me, I'm a sinner, so that means I am considered the ungodly, but I believe that Christ died for the sins of this world. And I believe that Christ rose again on the third day. So that belief right there, because I can't get to heaven. I have fallen short. For, all, for, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what Romans 6.23 says. So I am now, I have death. That is what happens. But the gift of God, that's Jesus Christ right there, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That gift that Jesus Christ gave to us is what gets counted. And then we get clothed with his righteousness that he did on the cross when he took all of our sins and all our shame with our sins. And he put righteousness on our account. And in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And... Jesus Christ strictly says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. So he's all three of those things. And there's no one's going to come to the Father, but only way is through Jesus Christ. That's what he tells them. No one else, there's no other way of getting to the Father, but by Jesus Christ. And, and those that choose not to make the, choose not to go into the Father by Jesus Christ, those all go to a separate kingdom, which I, which is the kingdom of, which is the the lake of fire and brimstone. They go to that part. So they they die. They go. They don't go. To, they don't get to go to heaven. They go to hell. That's their destination. If they reject Christ, that's where they go. And it's the lake of fire and brimstone. Christ, if you read all through Matthew when he's describing parables of it, he says. He calls it a place of great wailing and tears. 
or it's wailing. Let me see. In Matthew, many of his parables always calls it, there's a bunch of great wailing, and it's a place of sorrow. It's a place that's no good. That's how Christ describes it. And he's, he's telling us that's, it's not a good place. It's a terrible place to be. But in heaven, there's no more tears. There's no more sorrow there. There's no more trials. There's no more toughness. And that is what Christ gives to us with his, the gift that he's given to us. That's what he gives unto us. And now back to Abraham, so verses 7 through 8. So God reminds him what he's done for him in 7. He tells him what he's done for him. That he's, and then he tells him at the very end, after he reminds him what he did for him, I, he tells him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. So he's, he's reminding him, this is your promise. This is your inheritance. This is the land that you're going to inherit. And then Abram asked, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And right here, Abram's asking God for a sign and for proof right here. And, and we have that same question too. And, but our proof is answered not through a sign, but through the word of God. That is our proof. That is our proof of God. God has given us the Bible. When Ab- Abram did not have the Bible at this time, the, Ab- the Bible has not been started yet, or has not been started to be written yet. Or it has not, and so Abram doesn't have the word, does not have it. So he's asking for a, a sign or proof. And guess what? We have the word of God. That is our proof. And because in 1 Peter 17, 1, 17 through 21, he tells us, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the ex- excellent glory, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. And this voice came from heaven, we heard, when we were with them in the holy mount. We also have a sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until until the day of dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this and no prophecy of the scripture is is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the word of God has been inspired by the Holy Ghost. When these people, these men of God, these men that God described as holy were moved by the Holy Ghost, that's what the word of God is. So it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's what he's telling us. When they were moved by the Holy Ghost to do all this, when they were moved by, when God told them to go write this, this is what happened. They wrote this. So this is God's proof to us about Jesus Christ. And this is the sure word that we have. He describes it even more sure. We have an even more, we have also a more sure word of prophecy than when he was talking about when the voice from the heavens happened in the holy mouth. There's even, in the transfiguration, there's even more proof in that. There's more proof in the word of God. And another thing I want to look at with the life of Abram real quick 
is, so Abraham was, he was asking God a sign. And guess what? He was going to learn more about him. He was going to learn how faithful God actually is. So the more we get into God's word and, and the more we go through life, we're going to learn more about God. And we're going to learn how faithful he actually is to us and how great he is to us and how caring he is for us as we keep growing in our relationship with God. And as we get in the word of God more, because we should be in it daily to know more about him. We will learn more about God and we will learn so much more about God compared to not getting in the word. So we need to get more in the word more because we need to learn more so we can grow in our relationship and get closer to him in our lives. And, and we need to have that same desire Abram did when he asked him for that proof. We need, we need to be searching in the word of God, to be learning more about him, and to have more of the back when we have people to ask us questions. Because if we seem so puzzled and so clueless, when someone of the world to ask us a question to learn more about God, how is it going to make it look that we don't really know something because we haven't searched the word of God enough? in our life. That's going to make us feel guilty because we haven't been doing our job as a Christian because we need to be learning more about God. And then we also need to believe that God's going to give us the right words to say at that time to help us speak unto him. But if we're not getting the word of God, that's not going to be our first thought. God help me to know what to say because we need to be growing closer to God. That's That thought comes when we grow closer to God. And and we'll, and right here, the promise that he gave him. At the very beginning that I mentioned in Genesis 12, it gets explained in Galatians 3, 6 through 9. So this promise right here, and I will make thee of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curse of thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So this part right here gets answered in Galatians 3, 6 through 9. And Galatians 3, 6 through 9 says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of, uh, are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the, the gospel, unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So, this is what gets, this is the first thing that got to me. So, it says, Preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So he's telling them that, that guess what? All nations are going to be blessed because of Jesus Christ. That, the gospel is Jesus Christ and what he did for us. And all nations are going to be blessed by it. And he and God already knew this was going to happen. So he made it. He promised Abraham that was going to happen. God seen something that was going to happen and it's still happening to, when, like, at least over 2,000 years later happened. Even from Christ's time. And Abraham was probably, I don't know exactly the time, but it was probably about 3,000 years approximately. I'm not exactly sure. But about 3,000 years back at this time. Or at least 2005. 
know, maybe. I don't know. But it was, I'm not exactly sure. But think about it. God seemed that far ahead and gave that to, and told him that, that far ahead of time, that this was, that all nations were going to be blessed because of the seed of Abraham, because of what was going to come in him, which was Jesus Christ. And <laughs> that just, that gets to me that God would see it that much. And he knew that at that time, that Jesus Christ was going to be for the heathen, which is the Gentiles. And he wasn't just going to be for the Jews, which is Abraham's, Abraham's direct seed. It was going to be for everyone. That's what Jesus Christ was going to be for everyone. He already knew that was going to happen. So he promised that to Abraham. And then also the other one I like a lot in this one is that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So he's telling them the children of Abraham are the ones that believe in God. The ones that have accepted are the children of are know thee that which are of faith. So the, the children of faith, the children of God, he describes them as the children of Abraham. And Abraham means exalted father. That is, that is what Abraham means, or that's what it gets uh, translated to, or that's what that name means. It means exalted father. And and I'm also thankful that Christ came for the Gentiles because Christ, if Christ could have just came for the Jews, but he came to everyone and he blessed all nations for it. Because if he didn't come for the Gentiles, I'm pretty sure none of us here are of Jewish, Jewish descent. So none of us would have really been able to ever uh, accept Christ if he didn't come for the heathen also, which means he was coming for the Gentiles. So in conclusion... Abraham was, while there was times that he was doubted, he doubted God, he was, he was still, he was obedient to him. And there was times where he disobeyed God, but he was also obedient to him. There was times he doubted, but he was also faithful. But most importantly, he believed in God. He believed in God, and Abraham was a sinner, even though he was not perfect. He was justified, and he was counted for righteousness. And the blood of Christ is what counts us for righteousness. And our belief in Christ is what gets our righteousness accounted. Is what and that and his so our belief in God gets counted for righteousness. His account of righteousness gets accounted to us. And God encouraged God encouraged him and told us not to fear. God wants us to put our lives in his trust. He wants us not to fear. He wants us not to take over and try to solve the problem. But he wants us to put the problems in his care and the trial in his care and trust him more and fear not what's going on. And just like Abraham that asked for a sign, when we are in these hard times, we need to get in the word of God. We need to search the word of God and find, and find out the promises. Because often we forget promises in the Bible. But God doesn't forget them. Even though Abram was starting to forget the promises that God gave him, to, that he was going to have a, that it was going to be from thy seed, God reminded him it was going to be from his vows. And so we need to get in the Word of God and search more promises, just like the challenge the pastor gave Wednesday night. We need 
just that challenge that he asked to find more promises so we actually know all the promises that God actually gives us. That was the challenge that was given Wednesday night. And I think it's a great challenge because we need to know more. We need to learn. We need to learn his promises and be reminded of them. Because I think too often, just like he said, we forget all the ones that we actually have. We just use a certain few and we forget those and we forget the rest. But there's so much more that God gives in promises because it says exceeding great and precious promises. And so exceeding great, just like he said, there's an exceeding great reward. It's above what we can imagine. Think about it. Great, great rewards already. That's great in our standard. That is considered super in our, our sight. But he says a seating. So it's a seating what we think is great and what's so desirable. It's above that. That's what a seating tells us. It's even bigger than what we actually can imagine. And, and as long as we keep following God, and we keep sowing righteous things, just like it said in Proverbs. There is a sure reward, and it's going to be exceedingly great than what we can imagine. Because think about it. It's already exceedingly great enough. Because if you read Revelations, all the things that it tells us about the righteous, the, the righteous, the ones that are clothed in white, the ones that are with Christ, there's just so many things that we cannot fathom because of how great it is. And... Think about it. Just going to heaven, be able to see the one who died for us and the one who died for our sins. Think about how great that is. And, and it's a seating. We think it's great, but it's going to be a seatingly great, what we actually think. And just, just like Abraham that asked for a sign that he was going to inherit that land, we need to keep searching that word of God to find as many promises as we can find and to learn more. And so we have more proof of Christ and we learn more about it because the word of God is our proof, what we have. And that's all I have tonight, Pastor. So I'll let you take the rest. Glad the Bible has real people in it. You know, as you think about that verse six is very important and he believed in the Lord and it counted to him for righteousness. And Bob explained that tonight. And then you go to the very next chapter and you've got Hagar, you know, and Ishmael, one of the, probably one of the biggest mistakes in the entire Bible. We're still dealing with it today after he believed and trusted in the Lord. I'm glad that it's not the other way around because I'd be in trouble. But when I read that, I say, you know what? Uh, you know, if a man of God that's trusting in God, believing in God, it's counting for him for righteousness, then makes one of the biggest mistakes this world has ever seen. Uh, you know, the top few, definitely, because you think about the, the Muslim world is that right there. Um, and, you know, to think what a God of mercy that then turns right around again in chapter 17 and is making even more promises to him and changing his name and everything else. That's the God we serve. And I'm so thankful that uh, he's got real people in this book. And I, I tell you what, he don't let the devil ever convince you that you've done too much wrong after you're saved or you've messed up too many times or anything else. You know, that's not a license to do that. But I'm telling you what, God's merciful and he still loves us and he's ready for us. You know what he's ready for us to do? Just come back and trust him again. That's what he wants. So thank you, Bob. Uh, we're going to open up the altar tonight as we always do. Uh, if you need to pray.